Happy Easter. He is risen. This is the day that commemorates the great day in Christendom as we commemorate Jesus' death and resurrection. There's a lot that we could teach on, a lot that we could preach on. And we could, we could, we could talk about this opportunity of salvation that's given to us and from the resurrection, but we're going to focus a little bit on a passage of Scripture that maybe you've read and maybe you've passed over many times. And it's the book of Matthew, chapter 27. And we're going to be looking at um, two, three verses in this passage, a couple verses another place, but primarily we're going to be Matthew here, verses 27, 51 through 53. 51 through 53. There is so much doctrine, so much that we can learn, so much impact to Jesus' death on Friday and his resurrection on Sunday. And these three verses here are going to kind of encapsulate all these aspects, but we're going to highlight for you a couple extra things that uh, take place. So let's turn there and read these passages of Scripture in Matthew chapter 27, verses 51 through 53. Then behold, I'll back up just to verse 50, since we're close. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. So immediately after that, in verse 51, Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. May God has blessing to the reading of his word. Father God, we ask that you would help us now. Deliver what you'd have us to speak in Jesus' name. Amen. You've no doubt heard of Easter. Some have, have been taught about Easter in, in, in other times. And, and uh, you might not have run across this passage of Scripture. And as we talk about the veil, you may not know what the veil is talking about. It says here that the veil was rent from top to bottom. And we'll come back to that. But what was this veil that we're talking about? Maybe you've heard about in the Old Testament where they were wandering and then they built a tabernacle in the wilderness. You have a tabernacle in the wilderness and it was split up into parts. Where the temple that they have now, that they would have had at the time here of Jesus' crucifixion, would have had those same different parts and those same different aspects. There was this separation to get into what was called the Holy of Holies. So you would have the part where they would say the court of the Gentiles, and then you have these different courts as you move in closer towards the Holy of Holies. There would be the holy area uh, that would take place. There was holy, and then there was holy of holies, this inner place. And the priest would go into these holy places, but only the high priest would go into the holy of holies. So you can kind of think of a room that's separated 
you know, by uh, it would kind of be not exactly like where we're at here. And we have, if you have this big long curtain across here, and we would be here, and even if we were here as priests in the holy area, but we weren't in the most holy. The most holy would be behind the curtain. The most holy would be over in that area. And only the high priest would go there once a year on the Day of Atonement to make atonement for sins. But only the high priest. Because back in that area is where the Ark of the Covenant would be. And the Ark of the Covenant would have had the seat on top and the cherubims was, was the seat of God where God's presence would come. But only the high priest could get into that area. And so on this day when Jesus died, the veil, and I believe it was not just some thin piece of carpet, right, or some uh, thin sheet or something, but something thicker. Maybe it was this thick or thicker, but it was rent from top to bottom. It wasn't like they pulled a cord and a string to open it up. It was rent from top to bottom. Top to bottom. So, what does that mean? Because, see, that curtain was that separation point. The, the court of the Gentiles, those that weren't Jews, was out there. And you come in tighter and tighter, and then there was a place that only the priests could go. And the priest could go so far, but it, you had to get back. To get back into the Holy of Holies, you had to go through certain rituals. I mean, and places so to make sure that you were clean enough to get into the, the presence of God, to get, to get to the Ark of the Covenant that had the seat on top, to get to the mercy seat, as it were, for the atonement. If you read in the Old Testament, you'll find where they even had like bells on the bottom of their, their robes. And they would have a, a big cord around them, a rope as it were. So if they went in there because of their unholiness, if they went in there and because of God's holiness, it killed them, that they could drag them out. But see, when the veil was rent from top to bottom, we now, as we'll find in Hebrews, we can go boldly through the throne of God. We can access God himself and pray and ask. We don't have to go through somebody else. We don't have to pray through someone else. We don't have to ask somebody to pray for us on our behalf in some heavenly realm. We don't pray to Mary and ask her to pray for us. We don't have to go to a priest. Christ is our high priest. We have access into the most holy of holies, to the presence of God, through Jesus' death on the cross. And it was rent from the top to the bottom. What's the significance of that? This was not man down at the bottom going like this. It was God at the top separating it. Removing the division so that now that we can have access. Top to bottom. Now if we look again, we look a little deeper and we look at verses 52 and 53. 
And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. The tombs, it says, and the graves were opened. And the graves were opened. There was an earthquake. The rocks were split and the graves were opened. If you remember, we talked about not too long ago, maybe about Lazarus, remember? And the stone was to be removed. And we know Jesus' resurrection. They talked about the stone being rolled away. But at this point, the graves were open as though the shaking of the, these graves that were in the rock were cracked open. Removing the, that obstacle, that physical obstacle, kind of symbolic of that impediment being removed. And the tombs were open at his death. Now some might read there that that they, they were resurrected at that point, and then following that point of resurrection, then, then they raised at the time. But then they didn't come into the city until Sunday, until Easter. But as we read 1 Corinthians 15, 20, let's turn there real briefly. 1 Corinthians 15, 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. He is the firstfruits. And so from this, looking at Adam Clark as a commentator, and, and, and you can kind of look at that aspect, is that he was the firstfruits of risen. So if you look at that part passage, the way Adam Clark would look at it and and I think it seems to make some sense there. The graves were open, uh, opened up. The, the, they were, the stones were cracked open and gave the possibility. It gave the possibility for people to rise, to come out of their tombs. I don't know that they stayed where they were over Saturday, which would have been the Sabbath, and then they popped out on Sunday, but it seems to be to be consistent with what we're reading here is that they the graves were cracked open from the earthquake and when Jesus arose they arose too. And it says the saints arose and they went into the city. Is that what it says there? They and went into the holy city and appeared to many. I don't know who these saints were. It says that they appeared to many. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being in your house and your loved one or someone had passed away that was a saint of God and you hear a knock at your door and you open the door and there they are. You open the door, and there's your loved one right there. I don't know 
would be rather exciting, but it's kind of a precursor of the kinds of things that will happen when Jesus comes again, or when we go to heaven, we'll be seeing some people that died saints that we haven't seen for a while. But can you imagine? I don't know how long these people had been dead. But when Jesus died, the graves, the tombs were cracked, the stones must have moved out of the way, and it removed the obstacle to the resurrection. When Jesus rose, the first fruit of many, and he arose, other arose, and went into the town. That had to send quite a ripple. Quite a challenge to those that were trying to cover this up. Quite a challenge to those that had tried to squelch this thing of Jesus. They didn't want to lose their power. But can you imagine the excitement? How would you hide something like that? Because Jesus, when we remove the obstacle, Jesus' death removed that obstacle. It was opened up, but he demonstrated the capability and the power of God that now saints could, be, could rise from the dead in mass. It doesn't seem like there were just one or two. It seems like there were, were multiples. There were saints. It wasn't just anybody. But to wonder about who all these people could have been and, and what that impact was, it just is kind of amazing. And we think about, if we look at Matthew uh, 8, excuse me, 28, 11 to 15, it says, now while, they were going to, now while they were going, behold, some of the guards came into the city and reported to this chief priest all the things that had happened. These were the guards at the tomb. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while he slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure." So that they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Now why did I read that to you? How futile it would be to bribe the guards to say that the disciples came and stole Jesus' body when you have dead people that have risen from the dead walking around the city. Now, I don't know. I know that news at that time was a little... It wasn't like we have news everywhere today. But I, I would say that if someone in your family rose from the dead and came to visit you one morning, one Easter morning, that you would probably tell somebody. That somebody would find out about it. And if there were multiple, more people would find out about it. And so this was a massive event. There was a lot going on that wasn't explainable. I don't even think we can imagine the impact of something like that. What would the news stations do with that? I have no idea. We could surmise. But multiple people raising from the dead, coming into the city... It had to cause a stir. 
it had to stir things up. What could this be? And the idea that you could just bribe the guards and that would take care of it. And the idea that they stole them away and all the theories around Easter. And then you think about the disciples as they go out and, and, if they, and people have said, well, they made it up and it's not really true. First of all, why would they go out and die for something they knew that was a lie? But secondly, if there was all these witnesses of people being raised from the dead and coming back into the city, as Matthew records for us, it would be quite a story. It would be an encouragement to the disciples. But it would have to be an amazing time. There'd be little doubt that uh, revival would start to stir. It would be the beginning of what led through, towards Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit. It was such an exciting time that when Jesus died on the cross, it's not only that we could have forgiveness of our sins, which is a great thing. It's not only that it removed that block, as it were, that need for repentance, that need for a solution. Jesus was that solution so that we could have resurrection and he demonstrated the capability. I know he raised one before, Lazarus. He raised others. But now we have them coming out of the tombs and into the city. But it also tells us that now we have access to come boldly through the throne of Christ because God himself has rent the veil from top to bottom so that now we can go into the most holy of holies. We don't have to go, like I said, through someone else. We can have that fellowship. We can have that conversation. We can have a time of prayer. When we pray to God and ask for help, we can have that forgiveness as we go before the mercy seat of God. And Jesus' death on the cross enabled us to have that kind of access so that we can pray. And Jesus hears our prayers and is ever interceding. Please the blood on our behalf. And we have our forgiveness of sins. But with the resurrection that he did and the resurrection of others demonstrates to us the hope we have that we can have eternal life and someday we too shall rise. But in that time, he also demonstrated to the friends and the family around that gives us that prophetic almost or those indicators of the type of feeling it's going to be when we are reunited with our loved ones and those saints of God that have passed on. And even though we know it to be true, we're like the young girl that they prayed for Peter to be released. And when he saw, her at the, saw him at the front door, she was shocked. And even though we know that God can do things sometimes when we see him heal and we see him do things, we're kind of still surprised. Because it's a big deal when God intervenes. It's a big deal when God does something. We don't believe like the deist and some, some in, the, in there, even in the Protestant churches, that God's out there. 
and doesn't intervene, it's not engaged in things of this world, we're not deists. And some believe that, uh, well, we get to God through ritual and activity and just on Sunday and, and we do through different activities we can kind of get to God. But we believe that because the veil is ran, we have access to the Father on a daily basis. We have access to the mercy seat. We can ask for forgiveness not once a year, not just on Sunday, but whenever it happens. That we can have a close relationship with God all the time. Veil's been opened up. And we believe if we continue to walk in obedience to God, that He has demonstrated that that block on our resurrection, that thing that was in the way, has been removed. So we can have everlasting life. You have to remember, if you look in the New Testament and you read some of the scriptures, they. We're looking forward to this time. What Jesus did reached back and affected those that had followed God. It is finished, he said. It was a time, it was a promise that they were waiting on. As you look in Hebrews, I believe 13. Or maybe it's 11, I'm sorry. It's the faith chapter. But as we look... And they had faith that this was going to happen as Abraham and Isaac and Jacob culminates on this day. And this, as we talked about a little bit in Sunday school, this is, this is Passover Sunday too. That's where the New Testament, it says, when it says Easter, we see Easter, it's transferring the Greek word for Passover. That's why it matches up with the Hebrew Passover. And in the Old Testament, as they were given freedom, coming out of Egypt, in the Exodus, that final plague, if they had the Passover lamb, the blood on the doorpost and the lintel, and they observed the Passover, When the death angel came and saw the blood, remember the old song, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. When he saw the death angel, saw the blood, it passed, but pass over that household and not take the firstborn. The Egyptians, the firstborn was taken, and that's how they were freed. But just like they were freed from the bondage of Egypt, we can be freed from the bondage of sin through the blood of Jesus. And then as we would commemorate in communion, what was Jesus doing? What was he doing with the disciples when communion, when, they, when he started the Lord's Supper? They were gathering together for Passover. See the symbolism? And if you look at the Passover lamb, the Passover lamb, the bones were not to be broken. And Jesus' bones were not broken. The lamb was supposed to be spotless and without blemish. Just like the lamb used for atonement and Jesus was spotless and without blemish. He bore no sin. He bore our sin, but he had no sin of his own. He was born, conceived of a virgin, without sin. He was without sin. He was the perfect Passover lamb. He was also the perfect sacrificial lamb. And it came together 
And so now, as we live on this side of Easter, we have access. We, as we live on this side of Easter, the tombs has been cracked open so that if we have Christ in our lives, we have the hope of eternity with Him through the resurrection. It's a big day. There's a lot of theology. There's a lots of doctrine. There's a lots of teaching that we can look through. But if you walk away, walk away with this. Jesus loved us. Died on the cross for us. We have forgiveness of our sins, a hope of eternity in heaven, and access through the Holy Spirit to the throne of grace directly to God. May the Lord bless us. May we be reminded of what he's done for us. And may we celebrate this Easter, his gift to us. Let's be standing together. As we commemorate, Father, your gift to us, as Jesus, we commemorate your sacrifice for us. And as Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence. We are thankful this day of the grace that you have extended to us that we can have forgiveness of sins, that we can come into your presence, that we can lay our petition before you, that we have that direct access. And we are thankful that we can have eternity with you. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for this great gift. Thank you for this great hope. And thank you for this great assurance. May we, as we commemorate Easter, think about these things. And may we remember, may it encourage us in our walk to continue on. May it encourage us in our witnessing to share the hope that, was, that is within us. And Father, may you just envelop us with your love and with your presence. And may you be pleased, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.